1: Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. .NET Rocks episode 836 with guest Rob Reynolds. Recorded live Friday, January 4th, 2013. This episode is brought to you by Telerik. And by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter. And now offering Gesture Pack, a powerful gesture recording and recognition system for Microsoft Connect for Windows developers. Details at gesturepak.com. And now here are Carl and Richard.
2: Thank you very much. Welcome back to.NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard, uh, and it's 2013.
1: It is indeed. Are you still messing up your checks? No, no checks what are these things checks what? what is this check you speak of i i don't know what checks are i think i write the date more often on uh visa passes and entry forms right. for different countries than i do checks <laughs> yeah it's crazy everything is automatic pay
2: you know uh, every once in a while i go to the bank and take out about a thousand dollars in cash and just hold it for five minutes and Deposit it back again. Just so like,
1: <laughs> just to remind yourself to what cash looks like, remind myself, what it's, what the value what is. This is. Stuff?
2: Oh, that's crazy. It's true. Better Know Framework coming right up. <laughs> All right, buddy, what do you got? Today it's Better Know Community. Oh, okay. Or Better Know a tool, actually. Quest Power GUI, a GUI for PowerShell, creating PowerShell scripts. Ah, good one. Yeah, powergui.org. You probably know all about this, Richard. Oh, yeah. The editor has IntelliSense and debugging,
1: and the pro version gives you source and script management, 199 bucks, and, and there's a free one, so there's you a know, free one. feel free. Yeah, we've talked about this on uh, run As Radio more than once. Yeah. If you're living in PowerShell, do yourself a favor, get yourself a GUI, and this is a great one. Sure we is. Richard, who's talking to us? Indeed, indeed. Uh grabbed a comment out of show and... 8.02, which is one that all of us we know, that was the one we did with Alan Stevens on leadership yeah. before the road trip, as opposed to the one we did with uh, Alan and Leon during the road trip. And this comment is from Stefan Polson, who says, uh, quite funny that Alan mentioned that every team should have a chat. I'm currently on a team that sits in three locations, even more when people are working from home. And one of the first things we got was a campfire chat. It is a cozy and nice way of having a bit of fun with the other members. And, of course, it can be useful for solving problems. One of the things that I could not help laughing at was his mention of the gifts in the chat. I think that since day three of our chat, I've made sure that every day starts with a funny gift for the team. And, of course, there are more during the day to help people get the five minutes where they don't look at code. Mm -hmm. Great show with good hints for a guy like me who doesn't want to be a manager but wants to help his team be successful. Yeah. And P.S., still looking forward to the Euro boat trip where we can share the Port Ellen. (laughs) It's all about the scotch, Stefan. All about the scotch. Oh man! But uh, thank you, sir. Totally agree. And uh, lots of different organizations. I think we talked about this on the show where uh, the communication path has been through IRC, and we've done stuff like on this day, crazy things that happen on that particular date. Just you know, places to have a more casual conversation to create that water cool environment. I think you need to do that. And you know, scotch helps. Scotch always helps, it but does. you don't get a lot of work done when you. No, do it you don't.
2: Scotch. But you know, at least, yeah.
1: At least it's expensive enough so that you would shop wisely. You well, know. especially if you're going to drink Port Allen. Nothing like scotch from a closed distillery. Yeah. That's good stuff. And speaking of
2: that, my good buddy Richard Campbell got me a Christmas present. It was a Drinks by the Dram Advent calendar. So every day of Advent was a, a dram of scotch of 24 some kind. different... I, some of them were whiskeys, though. I think some of them were bourbons. There was only one that oh, I yeah? could tell. Yeah, it was mostly scotch, but... um uh, the the last one I'm saving for uh, to share with my buddy at the uh, at the uh, Code Mash it's a 50 year old
1: space side nice I'm guessing it's a Glenfiddich, cuz I know I've seen a Glenfiddich 50 crazy uh, well I guess we'll find out and of course that'll be when this show is published we'll be at Code Mash yeah and uh, I suspect having a little wee Dram.
2: Having a wee dram,
1: <laughs> just a wee
2: dram. We don't want so it. So, Stephen, thanks much. so much
1: for your comment. A .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you, and if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com. And before we go any further with this craziness, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides
2: comprehensive developer training online. They have nearly four hundred hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs, industry experts, and people that appear on this show. They release 12 to 15 new courses every month and offer a free 10-day trial, giving you 200 minutes of access. Courses range from coverage of iOS, Java, Android, web development, pretty much everything you can think of on the Microsoft stack, to HTML5, JavaScript, you name it. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that... Let me introduce our guest today. Rob Reynolds is a developer who has a passion for developing low maintenance solutions. Rob has been working professionally in the Microsoft space for almost 10 years, and he is the inventor of yet another apt get framework for Windows named chocolatey, hoping this time it would stick. He spends his spare time with his wife and two kids who keep him busy during the daylight hours. Welcome, Rob.
0: Hey guys, welcome! Thanks for having me on the show. Thanks for being here.
2: Thanks for writing chocolatey.
0: <laughs> right on. Yeah, you guys uh, taking a look at it, giving it a shot. I have partaken of the chocolate, my friend. <laughs> it, uh, it's it's funny. Uh, Alan Stevens actually said, uh, "Once you go chocolatey, you don't go back."
2: Mm. <laughs> nice.
1: Hey, before we dive into chocolatey, can we talk about the Chuck Norris framework? Because how could you not? <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: Well, tell us about the
1: Chuck Norris Framework.
0: The Chuck Norris Framework is our suite of developer automation utilities, completely free uh, under the Apache 2.0 license, that uh, are really designed to make you more productive as a developer. So what they do is they kind of get some of that infrastructure stuff out of your way so you can just concentrate on the, uh, the thing that you want to do, which is to write code.
1: So there's lots of different pieces in the repository here. Uh, Should we run through a few of them? I I mean, Roundhouse being an obvious one. Sure.
0: About about facilitating database migration? Roundhouse is a SQL migration engine, which means it takes SQL files that are arranged in a particular way, and then it migrates them out for you. Um, With that, you could actually plug in a a migration framework, um, like um, Entity Framework or... You know, in Hibernate really doesn't have one, but if you must, then uh, schema update and schema generate. Uh, and pretty much anything that can output SQL files can be used with Roundhouse. Sure. Okay. So as long as you
1: get SQL files, you can pick them up with Roundhouse and take them where you need to go. Absolutely. So what was your vision for Roundhouse? Why'd you build this?
0: Ah, uh, we took a look at all the tools that are out there, uh, and we were trying to find something that would uh, allow us to you know, keep everything in sync between all of our different environments. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also knowing globally what version is this particular environment on. And we didn't find anything that had a real good concept of global versioning. And so that was the first thing. The second thing was, well, what do we version based on? And uh, actually the tool lets you version based on anything. Uh, but once we figured out we could version based on the same thing we were versioning our, our code on, which was, uh, you know, the repository and the builds, we were like, oh, well, that was pretty simple, you know? <laughs> now, I think that's a really key point here,
1: Rob. Like, that's a big deal, how you identify the version of a database. So what did you actually do?
0: What are you looking
1: at to say, this is this version of the database?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because uh, uh, the biggest thing for us was always, you know, what version is your code on? And yep. then that switched to, well, what version is your database on? And yeah. people just kind of look at you funny. Mm-hmm.
1: And so, what do you what are you looking at? What do you how do you mark a database as a given version?
0: Sure. Uh, when you uh, you migrate your files, you tell it what version it needs to be moving to, and basically that can be anything you want. Uh, you don't even have to give it anything, and then you could use a sequence based migration. And uh, but that's not a global concept. So what we prefer is to use something like you know a build number or uh, something like a repository hash or version or some some way you can say I can take. This information and all of the, you know, the different structures here, and I can take that and and point it directly to a code base and say, if you go back to that version, this is exactly what is there. Right. And that really helps out with like something like Sarbanes-Oxley, where you really have to tie those things together. Yeah, sure does. You have to stay in sync. So
1: what's stored in the database that identifies the version number of the database?
0: Oh, there's a table. Uh, Roundhouse uh, requires that you, you bring three tables with it, and those go into the database. One of those is the versions table, and then the other is the actual um, files that it's running, uh, not just the names of the files, whether they are a one-time file or can be run any time they've changed, but also the text of the file, the hash of the text. And this is important. the The reason this is important is when you go to, you bring in new developers and they don't really know about Roundhouse or how all that works. So they uh, they make a change to uh, a particular file that's already been run against production. Right. And uh, they go to run it against their local version, right? And it dies immediately and says, you changed this file. Uh, that's not allowed. <laughs> and so it, it, it at the point of development, it's stopping them from making a mistake in production, which could happen, you know, days, weeks maybe months later. So you've created a mechanism for
1: gating version changes to databases then? Yes. That's a huge deal, man. Like sure I think is. I picked the best piece out of this thing so far. We've only talked about <laughs> one thing.
0: <laughs> uh, let's see, what was it? Uh, I can't think of the Tarantino was the library that we started using, and uh, we, we really liked it, and uh, we wanted to make some changes to it. Uh, but at the time, I don't know that the project owners were pretty receptive to the direction that we wanted to take it, and so that's why Roundhouse became, uh, and it's been around since 2009. Uh, but a lot of the the original concepts that came out of it were: here's what Tarantino does. You know, it it does database migrations. It has the idea of keeping everything in sync across environments. But then we added to that with all of our own ideas, like. I don't want your sprock files, your view files or anything else like that inside of this one folder. I want you to maintain your scripts in in source control. Uh, and then over time, when you're looking at, you know, a file or a sprock and you take that back to, you know, the repository and you're looking, okay, who made this change on line 10? Mm -hmm. Um, if it was all in the same folder in different files, you would, it would be really difficult to figure out who added that. But on the other hand, when it's in its own file and you're versioning that file over time and using, you know, source control, what it's there for, then you could say, oh, it was Bob. And then you go hit up Bob and say, hey, what's up? What's up with that? What were you thinking? <laughs> what were <Exactly>. you
2: thinking? <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there's a few other pieces to Roundhouse. I don't want to walk away from this without giving it its full due. Uh,
0: you, <clears throat> you deal with the Entity Framework as well? We have plugins. We have plugins uh, we call the refresh database. Those are used for um, taking something, say, out of Entity Framework Migrations or uh, in Hibernate or Fluent Migrator, which there's not a plugin for yet, but it's, it's not that hard to write. Mm-hmm. It takes that migration and it converts it to the SQL files into the proper format for Roundhouse to use. And then you just check that code in. Nice. And then you can give that to your DBAs. Um, because I don't know, in most companies that I've ever worked for, uh, where they have good controls, they don't let you run, you know, Entity Framework and have it make changes to your database in production. No. So <laughs> they kind of want to know the files and uh, Roundhouse starts that all the way back at the source.
1: Oh, nice. So when Entity Framework wants to make a change, it's basically creating a log of the changes? Uh,
0: when it wants to make a change, it would actually make the change if you would allow it to update the database. Right. Uh, if you use the migrations aspect of Entity Framework, you can uh, create a migration and uh, then you can use the Roundhouse Refresh database with Entity Framework to have it generate the SQL file instead and then run that. Right. And, and more importantly, let it go past the DBA
1: so you can approve it. Absolutely. Excellent. I love it. This is good stuff, man. Very cool.
2: This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by Telerik, makers of Kendo UI. Are you a web or mobile developer who wants to build amazing sites and apps? Looking for the best tool out there that can really improve your development work? We've got the answer for you. Kendo UI is everything you need to build HTML5 and JavaScript sites and mobile apps. In the complete integrated package, you'll find a jQuery-based toolset that includes rich UI widgets, a powerful data source, Dynamic data visualizations, and blazing fast micro-templates, all backed by industry-leading professional support. Visit the official Kendo UI website at kendo slash dot net, that's D-O-T-N-E-T, to find out more about Kendo UI or download the free 60-day trial with support. Also, Tablet Show number 19 was an interview with Todd Anglin on the Kendo UI. Richard and I talked to him at length about this great tool set. That's at tabletshow.com and look for show number 19 in the archives. And when you talk to the Telerik guys, make sure
1: you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Uh, other things in the Chuck Norris framework? Uh, we have Dropkick.
0: Of course you have Dropkick. Why wouldn't you have Dropkick? Yeah, Dropkick is our, our fluent deploying, um, tool. Uh, it is the, by convention, the least, um, convention-based tool that we have in the framework. Now, with, uh, Chuck Norris, all of the other tools fall under a few, few things that they're free. Uh, they're good for business use. They help out with Sarbanes Oxley and that, uh, they have good conventions, mm-hmm. uh, already built in. So you don't have to do a lot of configuration to get, you know, be a rock star. But at the same time, you know, there's that deep dive, you can do a lot more. Plus, we don't want any of these tools to be constraining. Now, uh, Dropkick, on the other hand, uh, is a fluent deployment framework, but it has almost no conventions. And the reason is because at a particular company, we may deploy something a certain way. At another company, somebody else will deploy something completely different, you mm-hmm. know? And so it's more open-ended for you to kind of define your own conventions. Uh, and you could set templates on top of those. Um, it sounds like it's not simple to get started with then. There's a lot of con- configuration there. <laughs> it is not simple to get started with, but there are some samples out there that kind of help out with that. The documentation, you know, it's open source, so documentation is always lacking. Yep. Um, but, you know, for those people out there that that want the documentation, there's also, you know, like I said, the sample, so they can take a look at that. Uh, what it does it. It could actually completely set up an environment from nothing. So if I point it to a new box, I don't have to have somebody go and, uh, um, hey, go create the website, go create the IIS, go create all this other stuff that just, it will deploy. It'll do all that for me. Nice. And so that's nice. So I can get a complete setup. Plus, and one of the things with the Chuck Norris tools, I can use them all separately. So I could bring in Roundhouse or I could bring in Dropkick And not have to use any of the other tools but as i want to bring in the other tools there's a nice integration point and uh, dropkick has a really nice uh, roundhouse integration point so uh that's particularly
1: nice good combination and uppercut part and parcel with that
0: before you deploy you get a good build yes uppercut is a templated build and it's also conventional so Really, with, uh, with Uppercut, you kind of bring in the required libraries, you just drag and drop it in, and then you uh, say, yeah, there's my settings, I uh, this is my solution file's name, this is my company name, and this is the repository source. And as long as the rest of the conventions that are already set are all good for you, then you got an automated build. Nice. So.
2: so shall we talk chocolatey now? We should. Sure. All right. I think before we start with chocolatey, let's talk about apt because if unless you're like an Ubuntu or Unix guy, you won't probably know what that is. So, what is apt-get?
0: <laughs> apt-get, uh, also known as uh, Debian, is well, I don't know. That's also known as Debian. Um, mm-hmm. it is a way to silently, basically, it's a way to get all of your applications, tools, configurations. Um, I believe it's short for advanced packaging tool mm-hmm. which just means that it's going to package up things and then you're able to install those things and not just stuff for development not just
2: .net tools any app correct yeah so you wanted to make a NuGet style apt get thing for windows and then there's chocolatey and then there's Chocolaty. and then there was chocolatey <laughs> so chocolatey is
0: about a year and a half old uh-huh. Uh, came up with the idea, MVP Summit. Uh, we were talking about what ha- What if we had a machine repository, what would we name it? And uh, somebody, and I'm not sure if it was me, and if it was somebody else, I don't have uh, a way to credit them because I don't remember, but we uh, we jokingly came up with the idea that we would call it Chocolatey Nougat. Mm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> <it> kind of stuck.
1: <laughs> yep, once you come up with a good name, even if it's actually a bad name, it's not going away. <laughs> You'll never forget it though, Richard. You'll never forget never it. Never will.
2: Yep. So, I love the story of Bob and Richard. Is that something worth telling or is that just shameless promo? We could tell that story. Do go you want for me it. to tell it? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, cuz I think that it really illustrates the 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 level of effort that some people will go to to do what Chocolatey can do in just a few minutes.
0: Absolutely. And the the biggest thing that I think that most of us as developers and, and maybe the greater populace, we don't always re- realize the pain that we have until somebody shows us a better way. Like, right. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that was painful. Right. And so the story of Bob and Richard. So we have two guys, Bob and Richard. We've changed their names to protect the innocent. Mm-hmm. And they need to get their computers ready to do some development work with Git. And neither of these guys have worked with Git before. And this is really the story of the process they each go about to get Git. Get, get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, Richard goes off to research. After a while, he learns the tool he wants to install for Windows is uh, is some derivative of msysgit. So he searches, he downloads the latest version, goes to install it. He realizes he downloaded the wrong one. Dun, dun, dun. Got the Cause, development Because that version. would never happen. Right. <laughs> this is just a story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So he starts over, and uh, when he gets done, he he may not have all the settings that he needs so that he could actually use Git, especially with GitHub. And so he spends some time figuring out what these settings should be. And after a process of, you know, could be a couple hours, an hour, or maybe a whole morning, he finally has Git installed, and he hopes he's set up properly. And uh, really, at this point, Richard only knows about, you know, MSYS Git and not really any of the other tools that might help him with using Git. On the other hand, we have Bob. And uh, Bob recently installed this, uh, this tool called Chocolatey, which is kind of like an apt-get for Windows uh, that's going to allow him to install things very quickly. And so he heads out to chocolatey.org. he searches for Git, and he actually sees all these results come back, and he learns that there are uh, some several cool tools for working with Git on Windows. And what he decides is that he wants to use Git extensions for helping him visualize some of the Git work. Now, in the past, if I wanted to use Git extensions, I'd have to go, of course, go get Git itself and get it installed, and then I could go get um, Git extensions, install it. Well, in this case, he just opens a command line, he types chocolatey install or C I N S T for short, Git extensions, and he hits enter. And because Git extensions, the package up on chocolatey, has a dependency on, on Git, uh, chocolatey downloads and installs everything silently on his machine. In fact, Bob gets up walks away and goes and gets some coffee. And when he comes back, he notices that Git is set up and it's properly configured on his machine. So, basically, less than 10 minutes, Bob is ready to go. And uh, he has some of the, the best tools that are available for working with Git. He just doesn't know how to use them or what they are. He <laughs> doesn't really know how to use them yet. He's got them, though. He's got them. My God. Configure. He's still got a little reading to do. Of course, yeah. you know. Either way, both of them have a little bit of reading a lot, yeah. yeah. what in this case did Bob get lucky? Uh, probably not. It's just that you know Bob didn't really have to make that many decisions. you know, for Richard, he had to go out, search the Googles, find yeah. some tool, and uh, decide, you, know, go to the downloads, which version do I want? Right Oh Holy crap, I'm working with Windows here, uh, so there's like three Windows versions. I want the full install It goes, he goes to a that website install. that says, "Get right.
2: the latest version here," and it's from two years ago.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, and there's no date on the website. Yeah. There's no date. Yeah. And then when he downloads it, and then he has to uh, go find the thing, unblock it, and then, you know, open up the installer and go next, 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 finish. And uh, at that point, he finally has something, but it may not be configured properly. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where on the other hand, you know, when Bob said, I want to use Chocolatey, Chocolatey did all of that grunt work for him, made all the decisions, got all the dependent applications, even configured his machine properly to an extent. I mean, he has just a couple of more things that he needs to do, which unless he writes his own chocolatey script, which would then take a dependency on Git extensions that could set up that entire thing for him, he still has to set up a couple of things that are personal to him, like his username and his his uh, you know GitHub access. And really, so the moral of the story is that Richard took three to four hours to get someone up to speed. Bob came up to speed in less than 10 minutes. And it says that uh, we shouldn't be a Richard. Yeah. Thanks for that. Yeah. Uh, And and it's not just about
1: time savings. It's about the mental state you're in after the end of those three hours. Oh, God, yeah. Because the last
2: thing you want to do is sit down and figure something out after you've figured out what you need to figure out.
1: Well, it's just that whole, I mean, I've heard you, Carl, in that state of of aversion conflict. Yep. Right? This this whole- It makes you mad. the battle of trying to find the right mix of tools that they actually run together
2: yeah it makes you mad like you really get angry at you know uh the people who left the old websites hanging around with you know old version pointers and stuff and
1: yeah it's not good what all can we install with chocolate i'm presuming not everything i can't just go see in st- office
0: uh, you cannot just install Office. Uh, really, anything that's uh, open source or is available free uh, on the Internet can be uh, created as a chocolatey package, especially if those things have you know, silent switches. Uh, Chocolaty on the whole doesn't really do anything that different than we would do as you know, regular people. Um, you request a, a package, it reaches out and grabs this package. It opens up the package. It says, oh, there's some install instructions in here which are written in PowerShell. It opens those up and then it just follows those instructions. And those instructions are to, you know, reach out to this website or grab this file out of the package. And uh, here's the silent switches for it. I want you to go ahead and install it. Or here's some configuration. I want you to go ahead and set this configuration on the machine.
1: And and that's the the whole name of the game here, right? Somebody has to sit down and build a package. Like this is not just your software. This is anything that, Anybody wants to be able to install this way.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Somebody did ask if they could install MSDN tools. And uh, we said, sure, uh, but you would probably need to have an archive of those somewhere locally. Um, It's not going to be able to download. Uh, Started looking at ways that we could make this happen, but uh, that's still kind of under the covers. But um, you you yourself would have to have some sort of login to get to the MSDN tools. So things that are behind firewalls, things that are behind, uh, you know, user credentials are not going to lend themselves easily to chocolatey. Right. Uh, everything else really lends itself well, especially because chocolatey does not interrupt distribution rights because you can actually have it go to the, the distribution source and download it from there. Right. So the the tool owner, the application owner, they still get all of their nice download counts. They they kind of know what's going on. I can see how many people are using their tool. Um but at the same time if they want to grant distribution rights, then I say definitely bring that into the package itself. And put it up that way. There's no uh, dependency on the internet once you get the package.
2: So is it just for open source projects? Or can any, you know, in other words, do, do we have to ship source? Or can we uh, deploy non-source projects as well?
0: You can put anything you want into a chocolatey
2: package. Right. But typically things that have dependencies and, you know, new versions and things. Sure. Yeah.
0: Um. So, I guess for an example here, if you wanted to install Visual Studio 2012, um, you can do that with Chocolaty.
1: Ah. Can't, well, I guess Express because it's f- freely downloadable, no firewall.
0: Full version. Well, the full version is free. Oh, right. It's just the license model. Oh, right. Yes,
2: sure. You can right.
0: download the trial of it. And then to upgrade that to the full version, you just need to add your your license. And you do that within the app and you can do that within the app later. Okay. So that's
1: yeah, it's a separate issue. I mean this is all about getting the right things installed.
2: But I guess yes. that uh, Visual Studio, you know, does its own dependencies and all of that thing
0: in in its install. <clears throat> so the only thing you really be gaining is the silent switch. Right. And the ability to script it come back overnight and have all a right. fully ready to go machine. You know, that's that's pretty that's pretty beneficial for easy. a lot of people. That's nice, but I can I can definitely
2: tell. So, are the majority of the things on chocolaty uh, developer tools? Would you
0: say? I would say yes. Uh, the reason is because you know, as developers, we're, we're always developers. looking for better. You know, we're always looking for better ways to do things. And uh, I think at the the current time, there are 573 packages that are available for download. Um, wow! And uh, we've had over 211 thousand downloads as of today.
2: Nice. And you see this moving out um, more into the user space?
0: I've seen some things on there. Uh, like you can get Windows Live Rider or a couple of other nice handy tools. I think Digsby's up on there. Skype is up there. Uh, there are some, definitely some consumer apps. Huh. Oh, cool. So any app is really available to be put up there. It's just somebody needs to do it, right? So uh, at the 576, I really only own about one-fifth of that. Uh, are the packages that I own so a lot of people have jumped on board and said this is really cool and uh, they started to uh, create their own packages um, as far as creating packages uh, one of the things like uh, is is kind of like key in my mind for always when I work on frameworks or create frameworks is it should be easy it should be simple right And so we've made the the side of Chocolaty that you as a consumer use super simple but also, the side of I want to create packages to also be super simple. And so like I was talking earlier about how you had to, it would go in these steps in this install file, this uh, PowerShell file, and it would go out to the internet and it would download a particular version of something and silently install it in these switches. And uh, to do that, that is just, it's one line of PowerShell. Uh, Chocolatey has some helpers or these utility functions uh, that serve the purpose of really shortening down uh, these uh, these PowerShell scripts that people would have to write to something that's like super simple and easy to read. Uh, and not only that, but as Chocolaty makes fixes and upgrades and other things, those scripts would automatically take advantage of that. Yeah, you've
2: got some really cool stuff in here. I'm just looking through the packages. And most of these seem like, uh, well, I can't say most of them. I have only looked at two pages. <laughs> so I won't even comment on that, but uh, yeah, again, I, I think the the real benefit is when you have uh, stuff that's out there in a million different versions and you have uh, uh, dependencies that also have to be the right version. Absolutely. So that's really where it gets hairy. We did a whole session uh, live at, I think it was a Code Mash a couple of years ago on, has software development gotten too complex? And this was pretty much the big issue, just... Because that was at the time before NuGet, when you know Scott Guthrie's team was putting out new versions and service packs all constantly, and there was everybody was, had to keep up on the latest versions of things. Uh, you know, thank God for NuGet, and now thank <laughs> God for Chocolatey. Hey, Richard. Yes, sir. You know what time it is?
1: Must be that happy time again. Time to give away stuff. I love to give away stuff.
2: Yeah, we're giving away a Telerik DevCraft Complete Collection to a lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And today's winner, Wade Beasley from Shelbyville, Kentucky. Ah,
1: congratulations, Wade. Golf clap Golf for you, clap sir. For
2: Absolutely. The DevCraft Complete Collection is everything that Telerik does in one package. It's about worth about two grand, and uh, he's going to really, really enjoy that. But if you don't know what we're talking about, go to dot Click on the big Get Free Stuff button. You answer a few questions. You become a member of our fan club. And every time we have a show, we give away stuff. And you could win. But you have to be a member. And Indeed. every December, we're giving away $5,000 worth of technology to one lucky member of the fan club. And previous winners are not exempt. So, uh, last year, we gave away a big honkin' PC to Rob Corbett, one of our listeners and a member of the fan club, who is thoroughly enjoying it right now. So, what are you waiting for? Join the fan club today.
1: You know, we were talking about installing Visual Studio with this thing, which clearly we can do. But in my mind, it's more about building out your whole dev environment. You know, you, it's a lot of different things you need to do. Mm. So, I, I guess you would you end up building a PowerShell script with just a bunch of scenes?
0: Uh, you could. You could uh, create a packages.config file, much like the ones up on uh, with NuGet, and you could use that. The difference is you could actually specify a source, mm-hmm. and uh, in coming versions, you'll also be able to specify argument overrides in case you don't like the arguments that that particular version has, which you can do now on the command line.
1: Okay. Awesome. So, I mean, and source being where to get the files from.
0: Source being where to get the packages from.
1: Right. Okay, so that sort of leads me to the next question, which is why aren't I using this internally in my in my enterprise organization just for my our own internal stuff?
0: I don't know. That's a good question.
1: <laughs> so I've, I've obviously got to stand a service up on the inside to do this?
0: Uh, no, uh, it can, you can just set up a network share and uh, then start dropping packages there. Right. Uh, in, in a future version, you'll be able to actually just point it at MSIs or executables until here's the silent arguments that go with it. And so you don't even have to do a lot to start using it as an internal tool.
1: Now, if you've got a file share running with all the package information on it and, and the various packages that people want to get, you, like this just sort of leans, lends itself to installing all sorts of things.
0: Oh, yeah. Now, yeah, sources can be uh, OData feed, which is the same thing that uh, uh, NuGet uses, mm-hmm. uh, which Chocolate.org is based on um you can use a file share a uh, local file uh, folder type thing and uh and the, the most interesting thing that we haven't really talked about is that uh when you want to integrate with other package managers like say the web pi uh platform what is it web platform installer yep uh, ruby gems sigwin mm. and python and it does this one with, uh, it's not pip, it still uses, uh, I think, easy install. You can just say, hey, I'd like to install this particular package, but I'd like to go get it from this other source. So I'd like to install, say, Compass, uh, except I want to go get that from from Ruby. Mm-hmm. And if you do not have Ruby installed, uh, Chocolaty will actually install Ruby first. And then it will reach out and grab that gem and install it. Nice. That's nice. You know I found?
1: I found Alan Stevens' preferred Visual Studio 2010 extensions as a package. <laughs> ha! Awesome. So, was exactly what I was thinking. It's like, yeah, yep. people's favorite configuration set would be something I'd want. And here's Alan's. That is so cool.
0: It's yeah. a lot of different bits and pieces. Yeah, and you can put those there. Uh, if you don't want to put them there, you can put them somewhere like uh, my get. My get is a, uh, say, a, a feed just for particularly like you or or a company, and you don't want to set up an entire, you know, source. And you can also make that private. Uh, Mike, it's been pretty awesome uh, for the the ability to set up stuff and keep it, say, internally, you just don't want to set up some infrastructure inside.
2: This would be a, a good alternative uh, in the cloud if you're setting up VMs, mm-hmm. you know, maybe Azure VMs, in, as, as opposed to, you know, creating clones where you run into issues with, you know, clones, Having the yeah. same sort of configuration per
0: machine or whatever. Yeah, And the really nice thing is if you're not using chocolatey.org as your source, when you go to install, you can just say c all, A-L-L being a keyword, and it will install everything that's on that feed. Hmm. Wow. Nicety, nice, nice. Okay, so this leads me to Chocolatey update. And mm-hmm. chocolatey update uh, allows you to update, say, one particular package on your machine, or you can up- actually update everything you have installed. So you just say chocolatey update or cup for short, and then right. A-L-L, A- L, all, and uh, it will reach through and it'll look at everything you have installed and it'll go see if there is an update and it'll actually update your entire machine. So, so everything installed by Chocolaty
1: by is, chocolaty that's is stupid. in a manifest that it can now walk through and and check for updates for you yes, yeah that's pretty yummy.
2: Why is everything n and why your products <laughs> <laughs> yummy launchy Chocolaty. yeah
1: it's pretty pretty cool actually it's got its own thing
0: going on yeah. we called that the uh, the update all or the uh, the Microsoft update but for everything else feature.
1: Yeah, for for stuff that isn't Microsoft. So, Carl. Yeah, Richard. You ever embed Excel into an application?
2: Ugh. You know, that's right up there with sticking ice picks in my ears. Nice. Because your end users have to have the right version of Office and all that stuff. Yeah. And it has that extra layer of dependency. What I want is just a way to take all that Excel goodness and plop it right into my .NET application. Well, you reminded
1: me of Farpoint Spread from the old days.
2: Yeah, 20 years ago I used Farpoint Spread, but now, of course, it's component1spread.net. And now, you know, they have this version that's both for ASP.net and for Windows Forms in one package. Nice. Yeah, it's two different controls, obviously, but it's in one package, so... You bought one, you bought the other. Right. Spread.net
1: from Component 1. Smarter components for smarter developers. A lot of these tools are yours, aren't they? Papercut, what's that?
0: That is a SMTP, uh, basically a faker. So if you just need to have something for local development testing, you need to send off to, say, your local host, uh, the, you know, port 25, you just start running Papercut Hmm. and it will pick up those emails. Huh.
1: All right, I don't want to walk past the conversation we were just about to have on uh, WebPI right. and Chocolatey together because I've used WebPI quite a bit. Yep. Yes. So how do these
0: two how interact? You say with Chocolatey you want to install something, uh, and uh, WebPI, they're actually called uh, applications, or I believe it's application name, but still it's, it's synonymous with the idea of the package name. So you say, I want right. to install this, and I want the source to be, Web PI, And so say if I wanted to install the, uh, I want to say it's IIS 7. So if I wanted to install IIS on a machine, yep. I seriously just CINST, IIS 7 minus source and say Web PI. And it'll reach out to uh, uh, the Web PI framework and it'll download the particular stuff that it needs and install it.
1: Because it, and WebPI does that as well, right? It's now going to go off and get the pieces it needs, and it's you know. going to
0: let it's going basically it's going to hand the reins over to WebPI and let it take over. So right. there
1: isn't
2: any real knowledge of what it, WebPI installs, and you know if if WebPI installs something, uh, chocolatey script isn't going to come back and say, "Oh, that's already installed. I'm and i do not have to do that now."
0: Right, but the at the source they both have Windows, and Windows already knows what's installed, Got so. It. WebPI is going to check with that, and it's going to say, oh, these are already installed, so it's and not Chocolaty going to. And chocolatey does the same thing? And Chocolaty does the same thing okay, uh, in, in a roundabout way. Uh, now, when you start working with these native installers, um, you're kind of uh, coupled to the way they do it. So a lot of these native installers say, well, it was already installed, so it'll shut down. Right.
1: Yeah, you, you do want well-behaved – a badly behaved installer can cause some grief here. Yeah. Yes, it can.
2: That's yeah. – been <laughs> the experience
0: of Windows pretty much for the first twenty years, <laughs> and in that case, you don't have to use an installer. You can just use if they provide a .zip file. You can set up a package for that for chocolaty. And uh, when you're looking through, you're going to see those as .dot tool or .dot no install or .dot command line. I believe uh, the recommended naming convention is the name of the the product and then .dot tool. Uh, the others are deprecated. We're moving away from them.
2: Are there any other really cool uh options or command line options for chocolatey that you want to
0: brag about? Yeah, if you wanted to go out and search. So chocolatey provides the ability to search a source and see what it has on it. Uh so you could actually do chocolatey lists and uh in the I think the most recent version, that's also just chocolatey search, so it makes more sense. And then say, you know what these are my search parameters, this is what I want to find, and then tell it the source to go look at, and it'll reach out and it'll find uh, any packages that had to do with that. Huh, that's pretty cool. At its simplest, when you when you install a package with chocolatey, if it has an executable sitting inside of the package somewhere, it automatically makes a battery direct and puts that on the command line or on the uh, the path so that mm-hmm. you can access it from anywhere on the machine. Huh. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, if you think about all those things that are out on NuGet.org right now, every one of those packages that have an executable in them are uh, installable with Chocolaty. Sweet.
1: Yeah. That, Even if they haven't got a package set up for them right now.
0: Uh, actually, uh, the two default sources with Chocolatey is Chocolaty.org and NuGet.org. So if I say I want to install NuGet.commandline, you're not going to find that on Chocolatey source, but if you go to NuGet, it's there. So right. you can just install it and it'll reach out and it'll pull it down. Nice. And I mean, the number of packages in NuGet is getting crazy. It's a lot.
1: <laughs> well, it's, you know, I, I worry about the manageability of things. Like it's all well and fine, fine when you know what you're looking for and what you want, but finding things these days is getting harder and harder.
0: Right. If you're just out there and you're looking for something um, like, you know, I, I don't really know what I want. I want something that kind of reads PDFs. What do I search for? Uh, right. You know, I can go search for it, but maybe I just want to browse and see what's discoverable. And, you know, the, the current interface is out on uh, chocolate.org and uh also, NuGet.org doesn't really lend itself well to that. And so we've, we've had some talks about how we could make that a little bit better, where it kind of starts from you know, maybe some high-level categories and, and moves down, uh, and based on some maybe a tagging scheme or something.
1: Yeah, it's all well and fine as long as you know proper names. As soon yeah. as you're searching for something like PDF... You know, how many PDF reader packages are there in here? That that gets a little harder. Well, that brings me to another
2: question, which is, how do you keep the crap out of your out of your database, out of your
0: repository? Is it a is that a problem? Well, at this point, there's not been a lot of. Uh, I mean, like I said, we have less than a thousand. But you know, as it starts to grow, uh, you're going to start seeing probably more people jump on board that have crap. And uh, at that point, we're going to move to a moderated feed, which means that you will upload it, it will not show up. And people will not be able to install it until it gets approved. And that is basically following the same thing that you see with Debian. You know, that is is, is very much. I mean, they got the stable, they got the edge, they got, uh, I think, beta. And they're all different feeds. And so something has to get promoted up through those different feeds. And you're going to see that with Chocolate a bit more, that what chocolate.org displays, that's the stable feed. So you haven't had a problem
2: with people uploading stuff that sucks or is a waste of time?
0: Or tries to do things them. to your machine that's yeah. bad. Yeah, we, we haven't seen a lot of that yet. Uh, in fact, we only saw one thing that, that got flagged as a virus, but the actual tool itself was flagged as a virus just because of what it did. Oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, well, uh, can't really fix that. Yeah, uh, yeah, you are
1: installing the right thing. Nobody's deceived you there. It's just the right thing is a bad thing.
0: Right, and if you if you're like me and you don't trust anything uh, on the internet. You can actually take these things and download them and look at what they're doing before you uh, reach out to install them. And I I highly recommend that. You know, if you reach out and you're blindly installing things and you haven't really looked at uh, what's there and and what's in the baggage, I'd recommend that you you might do that. Um, You know, right now, you're probably pretty safe because we go through, we review all of these packages as they go up. We do it after the fact. So if you see a lot of downloads on something, it's been there a while. And uh, we've definitely reviewed it by then and uh, decided whether we're going to keep it or remove it. Uh, and we're going to move, like I said, as this thing grows, we're going to move from an after-the-fact to before it even gets there. We'll be doing the reviews. So you were uh, talking about some
2: other great uh, ways to use chocolatey with Visual Studio that makes it easy to set things
0: up when you don't really know what you need. Absolutely. Uh, one of those things is the ability to, uh, say, drop a file in your, your source code repository and then... When you you're people that pull that source and they need to get their machine set up and all the Visual Studio components installed, they would just say uh, download the source and then they would type setup on the command line and they would just let that thing run and it would install you know all of the the particular service packs and everything that Visual Studio needs. Uh, it would install hey Visual Studio why not uh, it would install. Uh, IIS, if that was required for your particular app, if you uh, if you needed rake, you could even have it set up rake uh, Ruby and rake on the machine. So this uh, gets so
2: around the problem that you have in NuGet of knowing what to install. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. <laughs> That's that last mile problem,
0: right? Right. And so this really allows you as a as a developer or a maintenance, or I'm sorry, an, an open source. Uh, maintainer to actually say, here's all the things you need to install on this machine. And a lot of people put this on a wiki and say, these mm. are the things you need to hack on this source. Yeah. If instead they say, here's what you need, you just run this setup.command and uh, let it run or setup.bat if you're on Windows, right? And let it run. And when it's done, you'll have everything you need.
2: Hmm.
0: Awesome. That, that would really like speed up maybe contributions from people in the community that may not be able to contribute because they really don't know how to get started. Right.
1: Yep, still the search problem. We really still have a search problem. (laughs) We do have a search problem. Yeah, no, it's a it's a fascinating thing. I mean, once you know the names of stuff, life gets a lot easier. At least, you know, the bigger thing for me here is, hey, if there's a set of key tools that I'm always going to use, I'm willing to go through some pain to install stuff. Where I see chocolatey being awesome is I am looking for stuff and fiddling with stuff and just sort of exploring around, and I'm not going to fight very hard to try and try something. So if you make it painless for me to try it, I will try it.
0: Right. And I think that was the the, the same idea that uh, NuGet had, uh, is that... I I want these tools on my machine. I don't want to go through the the amount of time to install it. Um, So I'm going to download it really quick and have NuGet do all the stuff for me and then give it a five-minute test drive, decide, oh, this isn't really wanted, and then uninstall it and move on with my life. And uh, Chocolatey is is that same way. You know, I find something and there's some tags on it, say one of them is SQL. What other SQL tools are there? And I get this nice list when I click on that uh, tag like Mm -hmm. oh look sql server express i can install that or sql server express uh local db or uh postgres Uh, wow so it's starting to allow me to uh get a nice view of things that i can install so i could install it if i decide i don't like it then i could uh go ahead and uninstall it through chocolatey or through you know uh programs and features um yeah,
1: it's it's all about experimentation, which you know sort of leads us to the what about the uninstall process? <laughs> right. If I uninstall something external separate from Chocolatey and then run Chocolatey update is it going to put it back?
0: Oh, good question. I think it will. Unfortunately, um, you know that's a that's an interesting way of thinking about it. Uh, we had somebody that said, "You know, what if I Kind of integrated into that, the registry part. So when they went to uninstall it, Chocolatey also ran its uninstall. And I thought about it at the time, and I thought, that's kind of a crazy feature that we wouldn't want to approach anytime soon. But maybe, you know, as this thing matures out a little bit more, that would be a pretty good feature. So when I went to uninstall it through programs and features, it would go ahead and clean itself up with Chocolatey as well. Mm. Well, and
1: and you get back to the the big issue here, which is when you uninstall something, you may end up yanking some underlying bits that other things that are still installed depend on. Right. Uh And so Chocolatey could go fix that for you. It could. <laughs> <laughs> if you wanted it to.
2: I mean, that's if the you thing. Wanted it to. Yeah, it's got to
1: be an option. Yeah. But I think just this whole idea of go make sure that everything that's still installed works, that it has, still has all its pieces. So it's essentially, you know, doing cup, but walking through and checking that all the bits are still in place. Mm. Yeah, it could. It doesn't do that now. Sort of like an audit. Well, yeah. I'm sure you're, you've got a very short feature list coming in Chocolatey Rock. Like, there's <laughs> I'm, I'm nothing sure to it's work very on. Short. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So uh, are you doing this just out of the goodness of your own heart? Chocolaty? Is there any plan to monetize it? Uh,
0: so the, the important thing uh, w- with pretty much every tool I write is I write these tools for me. And uh, then I say, you know, if you find this interesting, use it. And... Uh, um at, at the heart of all open source, I think a lot of people write things just, you know, they write for them first, right? And so I wrote this tool for me because I couldn't find anything that would do this that uh, that lived up to the expectations that I had. Right. Uh, and so it's offered free. Uh, Chocolatey itself, the client will always be free. Chocolatey.org will be free. Um, some areas uh, for monetization that we've looked at and haven't really come to a, an idea is what happens when a business wants to use Chocolatey. Uh, we want them to be able to use it free up to a point, right? So kind of a freemium model. Um, but right now, it, if you're a business, you want to use chocolatey, you can still just use it. Uh, and, uh, if you, you provide your own custom sources, you can use it. But what happens when you want to use chocolatey, say the same thing that chocolatey.org uses as it matures over time? Uh, should that be free? I don't know. Uh, and so the question always comes is, you know, should we monetize it first, right? Uh, or and are there any areas that we would monetize it in? Uh, mm-hmm. I I myself I believe in free products, so it's really hard for me to think of that you know in that way. So, so you come
2: from a Linux background,
0: do you? I don't. Really? I come from a Windows background, and uh, and now I'm in Mac and and uh, Ubuntu and, and several other you know areas. Well, you must have used so,
2: it a little bit. i mean, otherwise you wouldn't know what apt-get was or your yeah, sigwin or any of those things.
0: Yes, use them some. Um, but uh, after starting chocolate I use them quite a bit more. Yeah. I didn't I didn't at the time when I started using chocolate I didn't really want to dive in because I thought maybe you know I wanted the creative juices to flow and to, to think about features that you, and, and not get locked into it. here's what app get does. Yeah. So let's just make a clone of that. Right. But that's not what I wanted. So I, I tried to uh, on purpose stay away from from what it did, but every once in a while I'll like here's what I'm thinking. Now, what does apt-get do, right? What does uh, Debian do? So, Oh, interesting. So one of the things they do is they provide the ability for you to pin a package so it doesn't get upgraded with everything else. And uh, uh, that's one of the features on the feature list for Chocolatey is to be able to do that.
2: Uh, getting back to your, you know, what happens if you uninstall something, Richard? There's an install missing command, which uh, installs the, a package if it's not already in the machine repository. There you go. So with yeah, and I, I was looking for like a local list, there's a list command, right? but it, that's really only uh, searching a source, a remote source.
0: One of those so, sources can be your local.
2: Ah, well, there you go. So, so if you do a search for local, right and you find out that it's not you know what the things are that are installed, and then you do a install missing on all of those, then they would probably find all of the missing I'm thinking anyway, it <laughs> might find all of the missing dependencies.
1: Are you with me? <laughs> yeah, I totally get it. That's cool. Yeah. It's, it's there, but you know, always more to be done. Always more to be done. Oi.
2: <laughs> well, uh, Rob, what's next? What, what, do you, what's the next feature you're
0: going to implement? Or What are you currently implementing feature wise? Yeah. At this point we're we're really, we got a 76 open issues on Chocolatey of things that people want to see it do, or uh, a couple of those are actually bugs. Um, uh, one of the things that we've talked about doing is, is maybe making it work with mono, or I'm sorry, mono. I never say that right. No, it's mono. <laughs> I think. Uh, I think it might be mono, but oh, all right. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. <laughs> I've been saying it wrong all these years. Then I was saying it wrong, and then I, I, I want to say somebody from Xamarin corrected me. Okay. So, <laughs> and I still could be wrong. So don't take me
2: on that. Hey, man, I'll go along with it. Mono, mono, mono. I mean, all right, it's burned in now.
0: So, so we got 76 open issues, 76 things that uh, we could bring in. Uh, one of the things I really want to do is, is kind of improve that whole area of I want to be a package creator. Uh, and I know it's an MSI, but I really don't know anything about silent arguments and I don't really want to worry about that. I just want to say install MSI, right? So really building up some more of the, uh, the utility helper infrastructure so that that becomes pretty awesome and then really starting to build up more of the uninstall. Uh, infrastructure because right now that's not really that awesome. It's it's almost non-existent. Yeah. Uh, so you have to actually write all of the information you need into those uh PowerShell files. Uh, a few of the other things that, that we've been noticing uh, that people are doing is you know we need some more support for uh, say a tools folder for things to go automatically uh, on the machine so they don't start littering up the um, the C drive because uh, there's a lot of tools out there that litter up the C drive. Yeah. Um, now, chocolatey does put itself in the C you know, at, at the root of, of the drive. But uh, we think that's probably a reasonable uh, place for it. But say you install like Phantom JS or some of these other things out there, uh, you probably want them to go somewhere else so that you don't open up C and it looks like your child's room. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Rob Reynolds, it's been fantastic talking to you. And thanks again for making chocolate. It's, it's made my life easier. Awesome.
0: Always glad to see somebody using the tool. And, you know, it's always interesting when you, you run into people that are kind of like, hey, you're kind of like my mentor. And you're using my tool. That's awesome. So. Yeah. All right.
2: Thank you very much again. And we'll see you next time on Rocks. Hey, thanks for listening. And remember, PluralSight.com is where you can get 200 minutes of free video training by guests on .NET Rocks and other experts in the field. CoralSight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. at www.dotnetrocks.com.